What's up, everybody? How you guys doing today? Doing awesome? Sweet. It is great to see you. I hope that you can feel God's presence. I hope that you can feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's been a lot of anticipation and building for our church, and you know, it's kind of like that countdown, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's that liftoff, and, and man, we, we are so excited about what God is doing uh, for the new building and, what, and what the opportunity that, that that gives to us, but man, I'll tell you, our heart is really about how, how the Lord is going to use us in our community, how the Lord is going to continue to spread his good news through us the church, you know, in our community, those that don't yet know him, those that are far from him, that's what we are all about. And, and so we are so excited about that. And so we're more excited about to hear the stories and the, and the people and the life change that's going to happen. Can't you just kind of see it? Can't you see it happening? Can't you see it taking place? You know, it just is really neat that momentum as, as it builds and kind of launches out. And so I just, I want to encourage you uh, to make the transition. You know, a lot of times we go through transitions in our life, and they're hard. It's a change. It's an adjustment. And many times, even if it's a good transition, it's, a, it's difficult because it's different for us. So I just want to encourage you to make the transition from the movie theater into the new building, and then bring somebody with you. Because uh, there, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of, you know, a, a, a attention that's given to our church because of the building. I hear stuff all the time. And so when you tell somebody, hey, that's my church, they're going to go, wow, I've seen it. I've driven by it. You know, and so there, there's going to be a great opportunity for us. And so here's the deal. It's not just about growing the church numerically. To us, it's about growing the kingdom of God for those that don't yet know him or that are far from him. And that's our heart. If you've been coming to Grace Church for a little while, you know that. That's who we are. But I'll tell you what, that building is pretty, isn't it? Like I drive by, I'm like, it is, it is sexy and man, uh, it is gorgeous. If you haven't been in, we look forward to you coming in, you know, when, on the Dream Team Night this Thursday or, or getting a tour. But uh, I just, I wanted to share with you as well, we need you, okay? And so as the church, we're the body of Christ, we serve together, we all fill a role and a part. We need you. Uh, if, if we're going to capitalize on the momentum that this opportunity brings, we need every single person. Even if you're new to Grace Church and you go, wow, I came at a great time. You did. And so jump on the train. The train is moving. It's rocking. It's rolling. We're excited about it. Uh, so we just we want it to be a bullet train. And we're going to rock it out. And so, But we need you to do that. Uh, we need people and manpower to make that happen. So we would welcome you to be part of that because we have a very, very extensive marketing plan that we're launching out. And so because we're going, like the, our, our lead team, the board, they're, they're going, let's do this, let's do it big. And because you got one chance. If, if you're an entrepreneur, you've opened a new building or a new facility, you have your own business, you get one chance at a grand opening. And so we're going big, baby. It's going to be awesome. And so we would love to have you to be part of that. And so I'm excited uh, to continue in the book of James. We've been walking through James over these last several weeks. I hope it's been encouraging for you. I also hope it's been challenging. You know, James is very, very direct in who he is. There's been so much great content. But in, in today, like I've, I've got to share with you, you have to understand the spirit behind what James is saying. Because sometimes we can get bogged down in the weeds and we have issues and problems with that. And so this is, we kind of have to get the big picture of what James is communicating. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and up, open up to James chapter 4. If you have your Bible app, your mobile device, open up that. The verses will be on the screen for you to follow along. But I wanted to share with you just kind of the understanding of what it is to have a big picture. right? So if we're going to look at this in the right perspective, and the example I want to give to you is a puzzle. 
You know, so anytime we've, and we've all done puzzles. It didn't matter, you know, how old were you when you started doing a puzzle. We've all done one at some point in time. And so here's the deal. When you do a puzzle, you know, there's a million, I'm not even going to open this because all the pieces will fall out. But so when, when you open up the box, you know all the pieces that are in there. But what do we have to do? We have to have this, don't we? We have to have this big picture, and so when we do a puzzle, we set that on the table, on the coffee table, and we have all the pieces out in front of us, but we're looking at that. That's our goal, and then, you know, we start with the edges, and then you start with, the, you know, certain colors, and you put those all in groups and spots, and right, we, there's a strategy to do puzzles, and, but the whole deal is we've got to have the big picture in order to know where we're going. And so I want to share with you something that's really important. When James is teaching, he's got the end in mind. And so let me share with you just a verse in this message, this particular sermon. Here's the end in mind. And so I'm going to jump forward real quick to the last verse, which is James 5.8. It says, you too must be patient. Take courage. Why? For the, Lord, for the coming of the Lord is near. That's the big picture. For those of us that are in Christ, we go, the second coming of Jesus, some people think it's going to happen tomorrow, some, think it's, some people think it's going to come a, a little while, it's going to be years. Who knows when Jesus is coming back, but the whole idea is Jesus will return. That's the big picture that we've got to understand as Christ followers, and so we follow him passionate every single day because we don't know the day or the hour, and we want to bring as many people along with us as we can. And so we've got to have this eternal attitude regarding scripture, regarding our life, regarding perspective, and see the big picture. Because so often, if we're honest, we're living life with our eyes down. Like we're just looking at our feet, we're looking at the next step, we're looking at our situation. We're just trying to make it through today. God, if you can help me at work today. God, if you could help me get through this week, help me get to Friday. And so I just want to share, like, the understanding that the Lord's kingdom is our perspective is the key. That's the big picture. That's the key to everything as a Christ follower. That's the key to this entire series. That's why James is writing what, what he did to all these churches. Really, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, is about the Messiah, his coming, his death, resurrection, and his return. Everything about all of Scripture. And so we've got to have an eternal focus and have our eyes on the Lord. And so I want to share that with you because it, it applies differently. It's very unique for every single one of us on what that looks like. And so I just want to ask, like, what is your attitude towards the Lord? When you, when you think about the return of Jesus, what do you think? What do you feel? What do you experience? Because here's the deal. Attitudes are contagious. You've probably noticed that before. If you're around people that are really positive, they're uplifting, they're fun, they're full of joy, you feel good, excited, you enjoy them, you enjoy their friendship, you want to be around positive people like that. But if you've been around people that are quite the opposite, where they're negative or cynical, that affects us, doesn't it? It affects us greatly. And so what I want to do, I want to pause right now you know, in this message and pray. Like, I want to pray for us because, you know, we need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right perspective and focus in order to move forward in these verses that James writes. So let's pause right now and let's pray. And so, Lord God, we come before you. Father, thank you so much for who you are. 
We love you. We delight in you. We honor you. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Uh, Lord, they're just, we can feel the anticipation uh, inside of our hearts, inside of our spirit. It is obvious that you are doing something significant. Thank you so much uh, for picking us to be able to do something like this. Uh, we're excited about what the future holds, but Lord, would you help us to live into that? Would you help us to walk into that? And, and God, with that, would you give us the right perspective uh, as, as, as a pastor, as church leadership, Lord, as people in a church, as we serve our community? God, as we live this out, give us the right attitude, the right perspective, the right understanding. Have an, e an eternal mindset, Jesus, that our eyes will be fixed on you, recognizing you for who you truly are as our Savior, our Lord, the Messiah, our Redeemer. God, that's amazing. Would you help us to have that in our hearts and in our life? In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've shared just about every single week in this book of James series, you know, James is a very, very confronting author. Uh, he's a pastor. He's an apostle. He, he, he was the brother of the half-brother of Jesus. And so he's writing during a very difficult time for the church, but man, I'll tell you what, he did not hold back, not ever. His language is strong, and it's very direct, and we've got to understand that. In fact, I want you to read these first two words with me and understand what he's saying. So we're looking at James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Read this with me, ready? Look here. So those of us that are parents or teachers or, you know, instructors, we go, hey, Look here. Give me your attention. That's what James is saying right now. So there should be like a big explanation point right there. Look here. You who say today or tomorrow you are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. So James is not talking about making money. Okay, we can look at that and we go, oh my gosh, so, you know, if I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be poor. That is not the truth, okay? That's not what James is talking about. He's actually addressing how we only focus on certain things, all right? We, we focus on earthly things. That, that's what he's addressing. And that, really, the reality that, number one, the point, first point I want to share with you is that our time is short. We, we understand that our time is short, or at least we should understand that. And if you don't, let me share this story with you. You know, just recently I had the uh, fortunate slash unfortunate opportunity to do a couple of funerals uh, over these last couple weeks. And funerals are really, really hard. You know, it's one of the things that I, I'm honored to be able to do, to be with a family during that difficult time and, and to lead that service and stuff. And so one of the services that I did uh, just recently for a friend, you know, a young lady here in our church, her dad passed uh, too young, you know, a, a tragic accident. It was awful. You know, and sometimes when I do services, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll invite, you know, family members to come up and share and share the story and so they can, you know, process and have that closure and grieving time. And, and so one of the people that came up uh, during the service, it was really interesting to me. It, it was actually an 82-year-old grandmother. Like, come on, grandmas. Like, where are you at? Like, where, you know, we got grandmas in Grace Church. And, and so here's the deal. Here's what I want to share with you. This, this lady, she got up very eloquently, walked to the front, got to the mic, and you could tell that she was with it. You know, she, she might have been 82, but this lady was witty, she was smart, she had it together, she had it, like, and she knew, she's like, I've got to communicate something very clear. And you know what she said? She said my first point, our time is short. 82 years old, grandmother, 
son passes away, our time is short. And so James gives us that same illustration and understanding, but he uses fog, right? He, he says, hey, the, the, the fog comes, the morning fog. We've all seen it. We've all seen the morning fog, where it is. Because when we're in the middle of fog, what do we see? Only the fog. We can't see anything outside of it. It doesn't matter. You turn your lights on, high beams. You know you can't see beyond, you know, three inches of, of in front of your face. But what happens when the sun rises? That fog disappears like a flash, like an instant. Once, that, once the heat from the sun comes on it, the fog disappears. And so when the sun rises, the fog in our life also disappears. When the sun rises, the stone also gets rolled away in our life. When the sun rises, we also can lift our eyes and see him seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. In fact, Jesus talks about that in Revelation 22, verse 12. He says, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all the people according to their deeds. And so as a church, you know, if, you, if you're following after Jesus, you have a couple of options understanding this. One, you could do nothing. I mean, just being honest, you could sit by and, and do absolutely nothing and just wait. Just say, hey, he's coming back. You know, the world's in disarray and chaos. It's going to happen soon. I might as well just kind of sit back and chill. Or we could be part of the story. And I definitely love that. And I, I would strongly encourage you to be part of the story. Be a catalyst in the return of Christ. Because the second thing I want to share with you is that our purpose is God's plan. Do you believe that, that you have a purpose and that God has laid out a plan for you? Because our life is short, but when we are in Christ, our life can be so full, so full of joy, just overwhelming, just God's presence and a purpose and a calling in our life. Do you know that about yourself? Do you feel that? Do you experience that God wants to do something very specific inside of you? And so often, unfortunately, though, in our lives, what we do is we get our eyes either down at our situation or we get our eyes focused on something that we want, right? Because we're self-motivated in who we are. And so James actually addresses this in this next verse, in verse 15. He says, what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. And so what he's saying is like, hey, God's got a plan for you. And so we've got to focus on that plan. And so I just, just to be honest, like we want you to discover your plan, to, to, to recognize that what that is. Here at Grace Church, that's our Discover track. That all is focused on to help you discover who God has made you to be and, and how that integrates with the church. And, and then if you have some issues and some problems and some stuff that you feel like you're dragging along in life, uh, we just want to share with you, like you're dragging those and they're heavy, and you're carrying them unnecessarily. And so what we do is we do connection groups. And so you need to get in a connection group, maybe specifically a freedom group. And so freedom groups are amazing. They help us to break free from the things that we don't need to have. But if you were to look at your life right now, you know, if you were to talk about just your purpose, your calling, if you were to self-evaluate, let's do that for just a moment. Let's do a self-evaluation. Maybe let's just say uh, on, on this year, all right, it's 2021. Uh, last year, everybody kind of makes jokes about 2020 and all that stuff, and we're happy to leave that in the past. Okay, half of 2021 is now done. How are you doing? 
what have you accomplished? What have you done? What, what things have you aspired to do? You know, that you go, oh, I couldn't because of the pandemic. Oh, I couldn't because of this problem. I couldn't. Okay. What have you done it now yet? And so I just, like, there's a challenge there. And so I just, first off, would say, hey, we've got this amazing part of the rest of this year that we can live into that and, and, and follow God's purposes and calling that he has for us. But then I also would say, we need this other perspective, that our life, what if we had a lifelong perspective on what God wants us to accomplish for the times that we have breath in our lungs and our heart is beating and God has given us a purpose? What if we set, set that as our goal every single day? God, I want to accomplish what you have for me today and in my life. I think that, like, that type of perspective changes us. And so we've got to be available to be used by the Lord. And the thing that's so cool to me is when we're in Christ and when we're full of the Holy Spirit, we are limitless. Like, do you, do you understand the magnitude of who Jesus is as a Savior, us being full of the Spirit, and a Spirit-led life, what that looks like? Limitless. God literally can do anything he wants through us because there's no limit to God. He's fully powerful, fully capable, and so he's looking at you and I and going, do you see what I want to do in you? Do you see what I want to do through you? And oftentimes, what are, what are we doing? We're going, no, I'm only looking at myself. I'm only looking at my situation. And so we need to understand that our time is short. We need to understand that we're part of God's plan. But the problem is, is so often we're looking at us and our selfish ambition, and that is quite the opposite of what the Lord has for us. And so we've got to have this purpose, and our purpose should be God's plan in our life. Because James continues in verse 16, he says, Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You know, and just the, the simple way to explain that is that's disobedience. When we know what we're supposed to do and don't do it, that's disobeying the Lord. And, you know, just a, a, an obvious example uh, for those of us that are parents, you know, when, when you have kids and they're a little toddler, you're teaching them, you know, what yes and no. And, and you often uh, hate the phase when a child realizes that they have a, their own free will and that they've discovered the word no. And they say the word no back to you. You know, it's like, like, that's a terrible phase in life. And so we know, for those of us that are parents or grandparents, like, we've got to teach through that phase. So if they're a toddler, they know what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. Like, they know that they're not supposed to run in the street. They know that they're not supposed to play in the toilet water. They know that they're not supposed to eat dirt. I mean, eating dirt, though, it's not that bad, right? I mean... But when they're there, like when, when they're there at the toilet seat and, and they're getting ready to like lift it up, what do they do? They know, they look over their shoulder, don't they? Because they want to see if you're there watching because they want so badly to splash again. And, but they want to know if you're there because they know it's wrong. You've taught them, you've showed them. And so it's that glance over the shoulder. And so our Heavenly Father, He absolutely wants us to be obedient to who 
you know, to the, to the decrees that he gives to us, to the commands, to, to walk in obedience to his guidelines in the scripture, follow after Jesus. But here's the deal. We get to choose. You get to decide, you know, if you're going to do those things that you know you ought to do or not. And so to me, like I would just implore, like we've got to have this eternal perspective. And so James, he actually continues to write about this reality of an eternal perspective. And what he does is, is he begins to write about it in regards to the third point I want to share with you, is that our possessions are not our own. And he does this as he begins chapter 5. Uh, because sometimes, you know, in, in church, like when, when, when the pastor starts talking about money or possessions and things we have, you know, the things that we have, you know, and talking about scripture and what it looks like, sometimes what happens in the church is that people just, you know, you, you put your fingers in your ears, you, you, you kind of, you, you tune out. So I would just encourage you to, to stay dialed in a little bit. You know why? Because our time is short and our time that we have actually has nothing to do with us. Because when your time is up, you can't even pack a personal bag or a carry-on to take with you. So our purpose is God's plan. And God is the one who gives us everything that we have. And so our possessions, they're in fact not even ours. But it's often our desire to act like they are or pretend like they are, or claim ownership like it's ours. And Jesus communicated very directly how difficult it is for wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God. He communicated this on multiple occasions, that it's a challenge for rich people to walk into the Lord's kingdom because they're so focused on possessions and things. And, and so even just in saying that, sometimes when I talk about money and finance and resources, people go, uh, well, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Okay, so when you take American wealth and American culture and, and the amount of money that you and I make, uh, we are extremely wealthy on a global scale. Uh, when, when, you, when you compare ourselves you know, to other nations, what they do is they, they set up a status. We've all heard this. We use the language first world, second world, third world. So obviously we're a first world nation. Do you know how they make those type of declarations? It's because we have clean water. You know, it's because we actually eat out and somebody serves us food. Like they bring us food and, and they serve us. Like, so that shows just the level of status and wealth that we have. And so I hope that you're ready to hear what James is going to preach, what he's writing about. Because I got news for you at the beginning of, of James 5 and verse 1. He says this look here thing again. Okay, and you're, you're, it's, it doesn't feel great. It's like, hey, look here. Look what's going on. Let's read these verses. It says, look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth that you're counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded up will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you've cheated out of their pay. The cries of those who've harvested your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Now, I told you, it's intense. 
Uh, you know, James just brings it, and he, what he's doing is he's addressing our attitude regarding finances and resources. We've got to understand that he's talking about using them. He's talking about spending them. He's talking about if you're a business owner, paying employees, paying somebody that, you know, that works for you, paying something, you know, an invoice that's due, right? And, and we understand that. And so what James is saying that's confronting is he goes, hey, you think that you're generous, but you're actually not because you're withholding from other people and you're withholding from the Lord. And he uses this really interesting aspect at the end of those verses. He says, hey, you fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. Okay, so here's what that means. So that, that sounds really intense, doesn't it? I mean, so, you know, you, we might feel offended by that or whatever, but here's, here's the understanding and context of what those verses mean. So the day of slaughter, it, that's an Old Testament reference. Okay, he's talking about when people would bring the tithes and offerings to the tabernacle, so that, that, that like they would sacrifice the animals, right, and, and lay them before God. So what that, what, what that would mean is a herdsman, you know, whether sheep or goats, whatever. So they would bring their animals, they would bring their tithe, they would bring their offering to God, you know, to, to give it to him. And so what he's saying is this, this verse is making reference to the fact that when we actually don't give to God our first and our best. So what he's saying is you're keeping it for yourself. You're eating what belongs to God. And so James is addressing our attitude on how we handle our finances. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's a very clear understanding to me that following Jesus is a choice. Have the type of attitude that you and I choose to have, like it, we choose, we decide that. And we choose how we're going to use our finances. And so I would say very clearly, tithing is a choice. You get to decide if, you, if you're going to do it or not. Uh, and, and that's all throughout scripture. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, when, when I talk about tithing, sometimes people will go, well, you know, that's great, but man, that's, that's Old Testament. Like, th there's no teaching in the New Testament about tithing. Um, that's not true. So I don't know if you're reading the same verses that I am, but all throughout the entire New Testament, tithing was an expectation. It was something that was communicated that was the, that's the way it was supposed to be. And I'm even going to go one step farther. Do you know that Jesus taught on tithing? So this argument about, oh, it's not New Testament, like it's just not reality. So I want to teach you this because, you know, what happens is Jesus is actually confronting people regarding possessions and finances. And he's confronting people who thought that they were religious. So do you see the theme and what's going on? James was confronting people that thought they were generous and giving back to the Lord, but he's saying, no, 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 it's not quite what you think. Well, Jesus had to do the same thing. So J James is modeling what Jesus was talking about. And I'm here to, to share the same thing with you. So here's what Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 23. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even on the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. Jesus says very clearly, you should tithe. Yes, 
but do, do not neglect the more important things. So what happens is we read that and we go, oh yeah, I'm going to be full of justice. I'm going to be full of mercy and full of faith. Tithing, ah, not so much. You know, m- maybe a little bit here and there. And, but here's the deal. Like Jesus is saying, yes, justice and mercy is way more important. You've got to have that. But you should also tithe. And so to me, like they're, they're just creating this expectation, the understanding that tithing is expected. And that's all throughout Scripture. And so what I want to share with you is that the blessing of the tithe comes when we give to God. There is a blessing that we receive. Now, I am not talking about like a type of prosperity theology where we give in order to get. That's not what I'm talking about. But what happens is tithing actually breaks this curse uh, that's over us. It breaks our attitude regarding our finances and our resources because we're selfish. We are. Let's admit it. The, uh, the faster we admit it, the easier we're able to overcome it. So it breaks that selfishness and it releases the attitude of generosity in our life. And and if I say, do you want to be generous? Do you want to be rich and full of the Lord's blessings? All of us would say, absolutely. And so James and Jesus, they're teaching like, hey, this whole deal, this understanding is we've got to be generous towards others. We've got to be giving back to the Lord. And I want to share just a simple story uh, about this that happened just recently. It's it's pretty cool. Um, It's very cool, actually. So... There's a family in our church, you know, they, they come and serve. They have several kids, it's, and they bring their kids to come and serve too. And so one of the things that, you know, we've done over this last, uh, like, 17 months or whatever, you know, year that, that we've been meeting again since the pandemic started is we've actually been cleaning all the seats. You know, we meet in a movie theater. They, they, they have their own company that cleans and stuff, and so, and we're thankful for that, but we just... You know, we love you guys, and we want to make sure that we create, you know, an environment that's safe and clean for for all of us. And so our ushers come in early. They wipe down the the armrests. They wipe down the seats, like all of it, you know, again, just to make sure. And so this family, that you know, they serve in that regard. And so they would bring their kids in uh, to to wipe down the seats. It's super cute. I mean, come on. Like, you got little kids wiping the seats down. And and so one of the things that happens... um, when these kids serve, is they find money. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when you sit in a movie theater seat, if you have money in your pockets, it's, very, it's like free. It just wants to jump out. Like it just, so it jumps out of the seat and it falls on the floor. So these kids, you know, they're little guys, and so they find coins and sometimes bills, uh, sometimes big bills, you know, on, on the floor and stuff. It's super cool. It's really neat. And the reason I share this story is because one of the times... Uh, the, the little boy, he found a $100 bill um, on, on the floor. And do you know what he did with that? You know, I, I get it. Like, he, I don't know if he fully understood the, you know, the value of a Benjamin and stuff. But so he, he takes the $100 bill and he, and he brings it to my wife. And he's like, you know, I really want to give this back to God. So, you know, and my wife was like, no, bro, you need to keep that one. <laughs> it was cool. Like, it was awesome. Just a great teaching moment. Hey, you know, giving back to the Lord and generosity and tithing. And, but, man, it would be cool if you had that. And, and so, he, like, he got to keep it. And I just, that's, that's the beauty of, of the moment and stuff. But can you see how that child has that faith in just saying, I just want to give it back to God. You know, for us, you know, I, I feel there's, 
there's a, a, a big message, a big story, a big example sometimes in understanding the faith of a child and trusting God so much that it doesn't matter what we have or don't have, that we literally can trust him back. And so I just want to ask you, like, where in your life do you need a release of God's power? Like, I'm talking about the limitless power of the Holy Spirit. Where are you going after that right now? Right now, for you, it, it might be just surrender. Where you go, I want to surrender my life. Like, everything that I am, God, I'm tired of running away from you. I'm tired of the, my decisions, my direction that I've gone. And so you'll have that opportunity just literally to turn your life over to the Lord. Maybe you just go, you know what? I need to follow after God's purposes. That was the second point, and I haven't been doing that, and I need to do that. Maybe it's, it's giving. Maybe you know you're going, man, that, that was intense, that money part, and ugh, that got me. And, and so one of the things we do here at Grace Church is we do something unique. We call it the 90-day tithe challenge. And so if you're willing to take a step forward and say, I'm going to tithe, and I'm going to put God to the test like Scripture talks about. What we give you is a full 100% money-back guarantee that if after those 90 days, if you don't see God move supernaturally in your finances, you let us know. We'll give you all the money back. No, 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 no questions, no judgment, just here you go. We just would ask that you would take that step forward in faith and what that looks like. But where are you looking for a release of God's power in your life? And so if everybody here in the auditorium and watching online, if you could bow your head and close your eyes, you know, let's, let's have this moment with God. Let's just be honest and, and open with him and just say how much we need him and desire him. And so maybe, you know, I brought up that part about surrender. Maybe you know you need to surrender to God. And so what that is is you've got to commit your life to him. You know, it says very clearly in Scripture that Jesus died for us. He, he, he bled and, and shed, you know, his blood so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins. And in that, we can commit our life to him and confess that we need our Savior. And so if that's you, if you go, man, I, I need to turn my life over to Jesus. I need that so bad. If you would be willing to do me a favor, just go ahead and slip your hand up. Uh, no, nobody's looking around. Everybody's like in this moment of prayer. But this is just that acknowledgement of, yeah, that's me. I've been running away from God. And I know how much I need him. Thank you so much. Like, this is a big deal. This is our moment with the Lord. And so what I want to do is I want to pray right now for that. And I would just ask that you would pray along with me. Then I'm also going to pray other aspects of this message and what James was writing about. And so you just have this connection with the Lord. And so if you just, if you know you need to commit your life to Christ, maybe you pray along with me just in your heart and your mind. Maybe you say something like, God, I know I need you. God, I'm desperate for you. I long for you. Lord, I've been doing things on my own. I've been running away from you. And I'm tired of running. Would you change me? Would you give me a fresh start and a new beginning? God, you are so powerful. Jesus, I turn my life over to you. I acknowledge that I need you. Would you forgive me? for all the things that I've ever done against you. Give me a new heart. Change my perspective. I want to serve you. And Father, I want to pray a blessing, you know, on us, Lord. Uh, so, so many of us, when we read these verses, Lord, they're challenging regarding money and regarding our attitude and, 
man, it, it is difficult at times. So Lord, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Lord, I pray that you would bless business owners as they make godly decisions according to your, your scripture on how they handle their finances and resources. Lord, I pray for insight. I pray for wisdom with financial decisions. Lord, I pray that you would give them favor, favor with contracts, favor with partners, favor with sales. Lord, that you would give them an opportunity for management, for advancement, for, for ownership, for partnership. Lord, that there would be increased opportunity more than ever before. Lord, as we are faithful to you, that you would bless back to the level that we serve and honor you. As we're generous towards others, God, we receive your blessing in an amazing way. But God, most of all, we give you our heart, we give you our mind, we give you our body, our soul, all that we are. It belongs to you. Lord, help us to have an eternal perspective that we would see people the way that you see them, your love for them, your passion for them, your desire for them, and that we would be willing to take a step forward to show love towards them, Lord, to even speak love, to tell our story, God, that you would give us this boldness to share your gospel in a powerful way, Lord. We honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.